Awesome. Hey, well, so good to be here this morning, and uh, just welcome to everyone in the room. It is church is always better when people come, and we can uh, just, you know, there's something powerful uh, in corporate praise and worship. And I just want to honour what Debbie did. Actually, I just thought that was awesome how she, how she just chased after an atmosphere shift because there are atmospheres around our lives, right? There, are, we can actually just get really familiar with an atmosphere. And um, I know if I'm feeling like negative or flat or um, just kind of like you know just not not joyful, then something needs to shift. It's just like, you know, I don't have to, I mean, I could live with that. I could just keep on just kind of like being in that meh kind of space. But actually, we are, that's not what the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, Jesus said, um, as you know, Paul said that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Righteousness, turn to your neighbor and just say, I bless you with righteousness, peace, and joy. I bless Stop scowling. <laughs> I bless you with a voice to proclaim, you know, the kingdom and the life and the freedom and the wonder. Um, I remember, I was just reflecting actually over this last week on the first time I came into this church. It was um, around of the, the end of 1995. It's just a few years ago that um, gives you a little bit of a read on my age anyway. And I'd been uh, used to pretty kind of traditional church environments. um, And I was just kind of a little bit of a casual church attender as well. And I'd actually had a year off um, my faith. I just kind of like, yeah, I don't need you for a year, Jesus. And I'm not promoting that because I ended up in a real hole. And I'd just come back to the Lord, and uh, Debbie actually invited me along to this church, and I thought, well, I'll come uh, for the worship. Actually, no, I'd come because I want to sit beside you. Uh, and, and I came along into this uh, church, and I, nothing had happened at this point, but I came into an atmosphere. Honestly, I came into an atmosphere of freedom, and I couldn't, un- I couldn't explain it. I, couldn't, I, I didn't have a paradigm for it. Before that moment, I didn't have a paradigm for what freedom felt like in the spirit. You know, I just, I didn't have that. And then I came into this church and I was like, I just want to be in this atmosphere. I also want to sit next to Debbie. But I also want to be in this atmosphere. And I want to encourage you that you are a part of this atmosphere. You're a catalyst in this atmosphere. You're a, your voice matters in this atmosphere. You contribute to this atmosphere. Your, your mindset contributes to this atmosphere. Your faith contributes to this atmosphere. Your attitude, you know, about your life and, you know, the, this church and all the things that are, you know, who you're sitting next to, where you're sitting, all the stuff, the stuff of the, you know, all of that builds a corporate atmosphere. So I want to encourage you, church, to come and bring an atmosphere of the kingdom. Or at least if you're coming in, to be ready to engage with a sound of praise, with a declaration of praise, with, an, with, a, with a connection with what the Word of God says, the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And if that's the standard 
I want to step up. I want to step into that. Because all of us here, governance, staff, worship, serving, host team, all of that, we're here because we want breakthrough. We're here because we want to see him glorified. We're here because we want to see, you know, uh, we want to see people come into salvation. We want to see healing released. And all of this happens in the context of, of this beautiful thing of the body of Christ. Um, during worship, actually, I just I, I had a picture of a uh, a water divining stick. You know what water divining is? Um, and I was like, is that a good or a bad thing? And I was like, I think I don't think that's a, it's a God thing. Um, I think that's actually when we're talking about water divining, we're talking about uh, looking for water uh, and not using Jesus uh, to find that location. And, you know, if you see water divining, the stick goes all crazy. And, 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 and if it's not Jesus, it's another spirit. And I just want to just put it out there that if you've been involved in water divining, then it's something to just actually renounce and, and just not go back to um, because that's not going to increase the discernment of the kingdom or the king of kings or the love of Jesus around your life. So anyway, just... If that's you, I love you, um, and you can, we can talk about that more after after the service today. Um, I was chatting with Daz yesterday. He um, has taken a group of people down to Matara um, to to just share the love of Jesus with the town. Isn't that amazing? Um, yesterday, there were 36 of them that went out and knocked on the doors of 676 houses. <laughs> And, bro- and invited everyone um, to a family fun day. Actually, that, that might have been the day before, but they invited everyone to a family fun day in the park, um, and they had bouncy castles and all that, and the churches had come together, and they were believing for uh, an expression of Jesus and, and the gospel uh, to, be, to be shared, and they, had a, um, they actually had a meeting yesterday, last night, in the town hall, in Matara, and there was a whole bunch of people who had never heard the gospel there, never heard the word of uh, Jesus preached, and there were 18 first-time decisions. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's amazing. Daz was talking to me. Um, oh, he sent, sent me the message, and and uh, he said there's still people at the altar getting ministered to and giving their lives to Christ. And at the same time, the, the, there was a fire alarm in the building that was going off, and there was no fire. And he was just like, oh, that's just the fire of God. So the fire brigade were turning up and all that as well. Pretty awesome. Oh, I'm just going to miss the first part of my message, sorry. I'm just going to, I just saw the time. Um, Where can I start? We'll start at the altar call. No, no, let's not do that. Yeah, okay, we'll start here. Um, So it's about the third slide in, I think, um, or fourth, from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me just let me just read this to you. Ah, it's the right slide. Okay. However, it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These things are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. 
So God is is a spirit to spirit God. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the spirit. That word discerned is an important word uh, today. Uh, the, the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. It's a beautiful piece of Scripture there. And, and I read this earlier in the year, and it really just kind of stretched my my mind a little bit actually um, when I read it again, and because this is Paul writing this, and he is the Jew, he's the Jew of Jews. He knows every letter in the Torah. He encountered Jesus in a divine way on the on the way to Damascus. Is that right? Yes, that's it. And and he, you know, he he had all these absolutes in his life. You know, the Word of God the encounter with Jesus, and yet here's a, here's a man who's receiving an unfolding revelation about who God is through the Spirit. And, and I just want to kind of push on this thought today that God wants to open new realities and ideas to us that uh, can only be given to us through the language of the Spirit. And you're just going to have to hear through the whole word, because I'm not talking about not ignoring the word, but anyway. this is The Spirit can only speak what the Spirit speaks. And, 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 I'm, and what I'm saying, I'm not everyone is called to be a prophet, and, you know, thus saith the Lord and, and all that, but we're all called and have opportunity to engage with the Holy Spirit and what He's saying over our lives. Um, and, and He summarizes that passage beautifully. He says, Who's, Who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct Him? But we have the mind of Christ. So that in Christ, there is, and in, in, in thinking Christ's thoughts, <laughs> we have the ability to discern and hear the leading of the Holy Spirit. Does anyone remember this scene here from this movie? You shall not pass. Gandalf. And, and there's, um, there's this big dragon. Actually, the next slide um, called Balrog the Dragon in the Mines of Moria from the, the first Lord of the Rings movie. Maybe it was the first. It was pretty epic anyway. And in this... In this movie and in this scene, especially in this moment, there's this really high contrast between good and evil. And you don't have to think like through, like, which is the bad guy and the good guy? I mean, maybe the dragon's got a really loving heart. You don't, you don't have to think about that because there's, there's such high contrast between good and evil in that moment, and, and Gandalf, you know, in the movie, he knew his authority, and because he knew his authority, he could step into who he was, and he said, you shall not pass. 
high contrast, high discernment between good and evil. Easy, easy to figure that one out. But not every, you know, not every decision that we make in life has such high contrast between am I making a good decision or a bad decision? Or I'm meant to go left or I'm meant to go to the right. Or I'm in, you know, I'm standing in the supermarket and I'm in front of the toilet paper and, you know, Jesus, do I buy, you know, Pam's or do I buy Purex? It's like, what a, how do I work out the will of God and all these things? And, and you know, some, some decisions that we make don't require the mind of God on, right? You know, life's not always like a, every decision that we make in life is not really a tightrope that we're, we're walking on with the fear of getting it right or wrong. But there are things in life that we all face and questions in life that we all face that we need discernment around. You know, what's God's plan for my life? Who should I marry? Uh, what people, what was that? Oh, please tell, Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. Release that word in season. Release that human in season. You know, even these days, it's actually been, there's been, it's been harder for, dare I say it, what's sin and what's not sin. I mean, it shouldn't be hard. It's really not. But that has been brought into question. How do I discern if I'm enjoying the freedom of being God's child or if I've just become a complacent believer? <laughs> How do I discern if we're upholding truth and justice or if I'm becoming over-religious? And some of these questions are just not as simple um, to answer as, as it would like. Sometimes they really do require context and conversation and, and a journey to make the big decisions. You know, unless it's from the Bible, it's very rare that I will use the phrase, God told me. <laughs> God told me. Um, and I've, being a pastor, I've heard some pretty special God told me's um, over the years. It says this in Proverbs 5, uh, Proverbs 1 verse 5, Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. You know, we become wise and discerning in the counsel of wisdom. And on his way to becoming one of the wisest people in history, King Solomon, he prayed this in 1 Kings 3 verse 9. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? You know, uh, about 15 years ago, I had a business at the time, and I just, oh, look, there was, there was a while, things were just going missing in our, in, our, in our business. For about a year, there was just random odd things going, and we're like, what's going on here? There's stuff that's just going missing, and then we lost some money, and then I started going, Jesus, what's the problem, slash, who's the problem? And someone was highlighted to me and it was it was a really delicate situation because I had no proof what do you do when you're discerning something but you have no proof and I just something else went missing and I'm like I've just got to actually do something here that is confronting but full of grace and so I said said to this person if you 
if you uh, confess what's been going on, you'll keep your job. <laughs> if you don't, and I find out that you've been stealing, you're gone. And there was immediate tears and repentance, and I was able to take that person on a empowering journey of grace. Um, you know, it's one thing to discern something, but it's another thing, and it takes another whole set of skills to communicate what you're discerning. They come, sometimes speaking the truth isn't truth because we're not speaking the truth in love. And so we need to actually apply the filter of love and empowerment over what we're discerning at every time. And when Solomon prayed, let me, let me lead your people, let me govern your people. This is an amazing prayer because God, Solomon's going, this, this responsibility that I have, no matter, you know, for him, it was a mass of people. For us, you know, maybe it's just our square foot, whatever it is. But God, what do I need to govern this part of my life? And God answered Solomon's requests. And, and, and it was, and then God said, hey, because you've not asked for fame or riches or glory or, you know, all the bells and whistles of what it means to be a king, God granted his requests and then he added some to his. And Solomon became the wisest person that has ever you know, ever lived, the Bible says. And now, I, as a church, sh- don't we want to pray the prayers that really draw God's heart around our lives? Let me govern your people. Let me govern, if you're in business, your business. Let me govern, you know, my life group. Let, that's yours, <laughs> you know. Everything that I have is yours to govern. Discernment. This is what it means. It's the ability to judge well, to pray well, whether it's the choices we make or the people we interact with. Discernment is the gift of recognizing the moral, practical, and spiritual consequences of our decisions. Discernment creates contrast between right and left, light and dark, holy and defiled, truth and counterfeit. And discernment is one of the most powerful gifts that you'll have as a believer. And it is actually a spiritual gift as well. That's um, in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12. It's part of those, that gift that is given. The gifts that are given. Discernment can give us context for the seasons of life that we are in. It says this in Romans 12 verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God that is good and acceptable and perfect. I um, heard a story recently of a lady who was traveling from Golden Bay um, up around Taka area, top of the south. Anyone know where that beautiful part of, you know, we all want a holiday up there, don't we, at Christmas time? And... uh, and she was uh, traveling there to Nelson Airport to catch a flight so that she could go visit her daughter and her one-and-a-half-year-old grandson who was in Starship Hospital and, that, um, and, and really unwell and was having a heart operation. And this is a two-hour-plus drive um, from Takia. 
And unfortunately, there was a series of roadworks on Takaka Hill and all around. And so this person was running really late for their flight. And so when she arrived, she was too late. They'd made the final boarding call and the gate was closed. But my brother Cameron, he is the... Oh, man, I feel emotional talking about this. Dang it. <laughs> He's amazing. Actually, I've got a photo of him up here. Where are you, Cammy? He's coming. My... This is just so I can stop being emotional, just taking an uh, emotional pause. He is the, um, anyway, that's, that's me and Cam, just actually two weeks. I don't know who that lady in the background is. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> She's doing the hokey tokey. Uh, anyway, my brother Cam, he's the Air New Zealand um, front of house team leader at Nelson Airport. And um, he looks after all the check-in and the ticketing and he manages the team. And so this lady actually came up um, when she came in late, Cameron was the guy that, he's, he's the guy that has to say no to passengers who are running late for a flight. And a bit like Gandalf with less hair, you know, like, you shall not pass. And he's essentially a gatekeeper. Another important word for us this morning. He's a gatekeeper. And there are a few tolerances and exceptions for people who come late for flights and they can pay a fee of $100 if you really want to stop the flight and get on if it's not lapsed for a certain time. And, and Cam's the only person that's allowed to open the gate again, but then he's responsible to his superiors um, for flights running late and that sort of thing. So it's actually a bit of a pressure situation. And then, so this lady, she turned up and Cam heard her story. And all of the lapses and the times have all kind of blown out. And he had to discern, because he's a, he's a Christian guy as well, and he had to discern, shall I stop the plane for this lady? And w so what he did was he stopped the plane, he waived the fee, and he got her on the flight. And he did all that knowing that he'd have to give an account. And then when she arrived back a couple of days later, she just embraced Cam and showed him the photos of that she'd taken at the hospital of her grandson. And I was just like, that's amazing. That's a powerful position to be in, in a gatekeeping position, to permit and to restrict. And we're all gatekeepers of sorts. Um, you know, we, we probably don't have the legal authority to stop planes or traffic or anything like that. Like, you know, you've got to be ruining the uniform. But we are gatekeepers for what we permit and restrict with people, thoughts, ideologies, habits. We are gatekeepers for the kingdom. And doesn't it say that I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven? Whatever you bind on earth, whatever you loose on earth, I'll loose and bind in heaven. I'll permit, I'll restrict. If, if we want to grow in discernment, we actually have to see ourselves as gatekeepers. How am I treasuring and preserving the Word and the Spirit of God in my life? How am I guarding Jesus? How am I guarding His honor? It says this in Psalm 24, verse 7, Lift up your heads, you gates, and headship is connected to authority, right? Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. We are gateways for the king of glory. There's an Old Testament here. <laughs> We're in a new covenant. 
the gateways for the king of glory. Every spiritual gift that we get as gatekeepers is given to us for freedom and liberty, not suspicion or fear. And so, you know, fear promotes suspicion, which is a counterfeit of discernment, isn't it? And so that will, if you're here today and you're like, man, I just, I've got the gift of discernment, but actually you're really just operating in the gift of suspicion, then that's just something to surrender to Jesus and ask for the gift of discernment that releases fear and life and liberty. John 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you want to grow in discernment, we've got to go back to the starting point, which is Jesus, who is the voice of life. So I want to bring this right back, and we're just going to land this on this passage from Matthew 7 this morning. This is the wise and the foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand, rock sand. Easy to discern, you'd think. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. You know, one of the uh, fun things that we like to do in summer with our kids when we're at the beach is to make sandcastles against the incoming tide. (laughs) Does anyone, like every family, every father, we just got to dig something, make a wall, protect, make a barrier, do, yeah, whatever, and see if we can beat the tide. But ultimately, sand loses. Sand loses because the tide is always going to win. You know, the, our ability to discern the will and the mind of God, the mind of Christ, is only ever going to be as strong or weak as the foundation that our conclusion is built on. We'd never build a 300-square-meter house on the beach. <laughs> You know, Jesus starts this passage with these words. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on the rock. So what's the context? This is the three chapters before this statement. This is the Beatitudes. And it's probably three of the most important chapters of Jesus' teaching in the Bible. And I just want to pull, put a few... Um, pull a few out from the from the last chapter, chapter seven, and just just to find some discernment nuggets in here. Verse five: Don't look at the speck in your brother's eye when you have a plank in your own. First, take the plank out, then help your brother to remove the speck. What's the discernment point? Discernment requires humility. 
if I'm being agitated by someone else's speck, then it's probably because I've got a log in my eye. <laughs> and Jesus is going after this critical, judgmental spirit in that sand, not rock. He says this in verse 13, Seek out the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. Small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. What's the thought here? Discernment requires us to be diligent, not casual with our pursuit of Jesus. Don't be complacent with the road you're on or the decisions that you have or that you're making, That, especially the ones that have power to create pathways in your life. Like routines, matter discerning people know the difference between the way things are and the way things should be verse 15 watch out for false prophets they come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they're ferocious wolves by their fruit you'll recognize them what's the thought here discerning the quality of tree of the tree by the quality of the fruit Discerning the health of the tree by the quality of the fruit. Really important for you and I to learn this lesson before we give anyone a platform or a voice in our lives. We need to know them. There's some simple stuff here, but we need to know their fruit. Discerning people are not convinced by flattery or noise. Jesus is like, what are they doing? How are they serving? You know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. Everyone just stand up. I hope this has been helpful this morning. Um, And I I share this because I just believe um, that we as a church are coming into a new season. And that requires us to stretch our faith and our paradigms for connecting with the Spirit of God. We're going to need to be a people who discern between right and wrong. You know, the kingdom has high contrast. Like when you think of glory in the glory realm, there's just exceptional brightness and light. It's a kingdom that is full of light. And we are gateways for that king of glory in our own lives. And today, perhaps he wants you to, he wants to lift your head. He wants to lift your head this morning and just say, Jesus, I want to be that gateway. Give me a discerning heart that I may be able to test and approve what your will is, your good and pleasing and perfect will. And today, if you're here and you're just carrying indecision in your life and burdens around what's right and wrong for, you, for me at, at this time, I'm, we're going to pray right now, just in this moment. If you can relate to that, to, to that, just put your hand on your heart right now. If you're just burdened with indecision and you're like, oh man, I just need some clarity. Holy Spirit. We just thank you that you are with us and that you, like Jesus, 
you said this about the Holy Spirit, that you're a comforter and that you will lead us, that he will lead us into all truth. And we just thank you right now, Holy Spirit, for your small, still voice over our lives. We want to be a people that are prepared to hear your voice when when it doesn't sound very convenient. <laughs> when your voice isn't about me, but it's about you, like Solomon who prayed, let me govern your people. I need wisdom to govern this great people of yours. And we just all pray that this morning, that you would give us wisdom for our families, that you would give us wisdom for the wrestle of life that we're in at the moment. We we just pray that you would give us wisdom. We pray as a church family that you would give us wisdom on on some of the, the matters of what it means to have a church, to be a church, to how we have relationship, to how we hold services, to how we expand our building, to how we reach other communities. We pray that you would give us wisdom to govern to govern this amazing people of yours, this amazing town of yours. And we honor you. We just honor you this morning. We give you praise for bringing us this far on our journey, for the grace that you've given us. We just want to say we love you and we thank you for, your, for this beautiful adventure of life. Thank you, Jesus.